0: Last week, we started talking about a spiritual warfare. Did you know that every one of us are engaged in spiritual warfare? Some of you had no idea of that spiritual dimension battling against the souls of mankind till you made up your mind to live for Jesus. But when you made up your mind to live for Jesus, all hell started breaking loose in your life. Can I get an amen? Has it quit? Will it be gone tomorrow? Nope. As long as you're determined to live for Jesus, Satan's going to be determined to make you fail. You know why? You wear the name of Jesus Christ, Lord of Lords, King of Kings, Prince of Peace, the one that's going to throw Satan into hell someday. That's why he hates you. Amen. Amen. Well, I want to talk to you today about a subject called in the heat of the battle. In the heat of the battle. And I want to refer to a man that the Bible has called him the man after God's own heart. This man is David. David was uh, promising. He was to be a great, great leader. But if you go to the text we're taking this morning, we're looking at 1 Samuel 21 and beginning with verse 1. If you look at these verses, you you can't see that a whole lot positive has been going on so far. Because King Saul has become filled with jealousy. King Saul has become filled with hatred. Now he's hunting David down so he can kill him. That doesn't sound like a lot to celebrate, does it? But let's go to the scripture. 1 Samuel chapter 21 and verse 1. Now David went to Nob to Ahimelech the priest. And Ahimelech trembled when he met him. Like, why are you alone? Why is no one with you? He knew this was the rising star in Israel. He killed Goliath and people were singing about him. But he's here all by himself and he don't look so pretty good. Why are you alone? David answered. He told a lie. He said to the priest, the king sent me on a mission. And he said to me that no one is to know anything about the mission I'm sending you on. And as for my men, he told them another lie. I told him to go to a certain place. Now then, what do you have on hand? Give me five loaves of bread or whatever you can find. He's very hungry. He's destitute. He knows he's being hunted. And now this man, after God's own heart, is in trouble. And he's lying through his teeth. Somebody said he's lying like a rug. That's lying like a rug. Let's skip down to verse 8. David, David asked Himelech, don't you have a spear or a sword here? Don't you have a spear or a sword here? I haven't brought my sword or any other weapon because the king's mission was urgent. Everybody say, he lied. He lied. Here he goes again. A man after God's own heart is just lying through his teeth. Can I say it like that? The priest replied, the sword of Goliath, the, the Philistine, the one whom you killed in the valley of Elah, is here. It is wrapped in a cloth behind the ephod if you want it take it there's no sword here but that one in other words David this is a house of God we don't have weapons here we don't have things for warfare here. this is the house of God but there is one sword here it's behind the ephod it's behind the spiritual representation between God and man the ephod and it is a sword that's wrapped up it's kept. It's kept there to be a reminder of God's ability to give us our enemies into our hands. But David, that's the only sword we have. David didn't even think about. It It was a reminder to say, it's not by might nor power, but by my spirit, saith God. But he just thought, I need a sword. So give it to me. There's not one like it anywhere. Give it to me. Now in verse 10. That day David fled from Saul and went to Achish, king of Gath. And the servants of Achish said to him, isn't this David the king of the land? Isn't he the one they sing about it in their dances? Saul has slain his thousands and David his tens of thousands. David took these words to heart and he became afraid of the king of Gath. Everybody say fearful. Every song this morning has pointed directly toward what God's word has been speaking in my life all week long. And today, we're going to help some people find peace in God and freedom from fear. Can I get an amen? Amen. We're going to go there. Well, the story goes on like this. David heard this, and he got afraid that the king was going to kill him. So he started acting crazy. He started acting crazy. He started acting like a madman. He went and took markers or whatever kind of markers, and he did graffiti all over the walls there. Going crazy, going nuts. And then he didn't just stop there, but he let his his saliva drip down his beard so he looked like a madman. And everybody looks the man, he is going totally, David has gone off. I mean, O-F-F, he's totally off. And they're looking at him and the king, he says, what in the world have I done? Is is this an insane asylum? Do I not have enough madmen already? What's going on? So David is now with his enemies, acting crazy. Made very poor choices, doing things that are totally off base with God, and now he's in trouble. So you know what he decided? Verse 22, chapter 22, verse 1. David left Gath and escaped to the cave of Adullam. Adullam. When his brothers and his father's household heard about it, he went down to him there. Now, here's the interesting thing about it. David was in great trouble. He was under a lot of pressure, and in that pressure, he did a lot of things that he shouldn't have done. Today, I want to be very merciful to David because you know what? I think I've seen myself in some of this picture. How about you? I felt panicked before, and I made decisions that, boy, I, I wish I could have undone my decision, but God's mercy was great and forgave me of it and got me on the right course, and he will you too. Amen. Well, The Psalms are beautiful, right? But the Psalms, most of them are written out of deep, deep, troubling, heartfelt experiences. And one of those Psalms is Psalm 57 in verse 1. David is writing here, and they think he's writing it from the cave of Adullam. Remember, the enemy is after him. King Saul wants to kill him. He went to his enemies to try to hide from Saul. Now he realized he could die there, so he runs to a cave. And in that cave, he begins to do this. Verse 57, verse 1. He begins to cry out, have mercy on me, my God. Have mercy on me, for in you I take refuge. In you I take refuge refuge look at this i will take refuge in the shadow of your wings until the disaster has passed now everybody say we need a shelter how many of you know we need a refuge let's link this now to spiritual warfare ephesians chapter 6 beginning with verse 13 We're all in this warfare. Nobody's exempt. New Christians, seasoned Christians, elders and youth, we're all involved in a warfare. Temptations and discouragements, distractions, they're all trying to break down our faith and keep us from walking with God. Amen. So David wrote those things. Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus and he said this. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that you might be, so that, you, so that when the day of evil comes, the day of evil comes. Man, it's a bad day, but when your worst day comes, man, it's a tough fight. But when your biggest fight comes, put on the armor of God so when that day, that moment, the heat of the battle comes, you may be able to stand your ground. Turn to your neighbor and say, stand your ground. And then after you've done everything, what do you do? So he told him to take on the full armor of God. And he goes through some things. And, and I, I just want you to look at him with me just briefly. He says, stand firm with a belt the truth buckle around your waist. No pretense, no no insincerity, no hypocrisy, but really right motives and, and no sinful secrets. Put on the breastplate of righteousness. Let your feet be fitted with a readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the, of the evil one. Then 17, take the helmet of salvation. Take your thought life. Protect your mind. Let the good, the godly, the pure be what you think about. And then the sword of the spirit, which is the sword of the spirit is what? We talked about that last week. But so many times we stop with verse 17. We think we've got the whole armor of God on. But let's look at verse 18. Here's an element that we cannot forget. And pray. Somebody say and pray. But how do we pray? We pray. In the spirit. Not a God is great, God is good, or now I lay me down to sleep. Let's just, uh, let's see, what is it? Thank you for the food. Thank you for the day. All those things are good. But he said we need to pray in the spirit. We need to pray in the Spirit on all occasions, in every kind of circumstance in life. Pray in the Spirit. Pray with the Spirit of God moving through you. Not just a prayer of the flesh, but a prayer with the power that God filled you with. is coming out and praying for you and with you. Pray in the Spirit. Amen. Somebody say amen. So David is praying a prayer like this in the cave of Adullam. Oh, God, have mercy on me. Oh, God, I need a refuge. I'm in a lot of trouble. He cries out from the cave of Adullam. You know, in all warfare, there comes that time that the intensity rises. There comes that moment that the entire battle is hinging on this moment and point of crisis. And that will determine the victory or defeat of the soldiers. It's harder at that moment than in any other moment. Even though you've been fighting for a while, it's been building to this point. And if we don't win this point, we don't win this time, we will lose. Now in sports, now I want to be very careful how I mention sports today. I'm going to just say it one more time. Luck goes both ways. Is that right? I'm telling you what. Enough on that. I better just move on. But there are two advantages of being an Alabama graduate. There's an advantage of being an Alabama graduate and living in Mississippi. Because only two weeks out of the year does half the church hate you. If I was an Ole Miss fan, half the church would hate me all year. If I was a Mississippi State fan, half the church would hate me half, all year. That's just the way it is. But as an Alabama graduate, I'll use that word just very calmly, you only hate me one week out of the year if you're a State fan and only one week if you're an Ole Miss fan. Okay. And today, don't hate me. I know luck goes both ways. I didn't say Prayer. I didn't pray for Alabama to win, I promise you. But in sports, there's this phrase that comes out called crunch time. How many of you have ever heard the word crunch time? Forget the pain, man. The other night, we were, man, we had sledgehammers and we had chisels and we were hitting that tile and it was bouncing back and coming up over our head and flying like shrapnel everywhere. Bobby uh, White was giving terms. His coach used to give him playing football. He said, hey, man, you don't feel that pain. You don't feel that pain, Bobby. Keep on going, man. You don't feel that pain. Keep on going, I thought. He sounded like he was in my football camp too. But it's crunch time. It's that, it's that point in the contest when it's extra hard. It's that point where the coach is trying to get the players to push past the pain, and push past the fatigue, and push past what you're experiencing and the frustration. And just dig in and give it one more strong effort and let's turn this thing around. Everybody say crunch time. In every battle that comes that point, the heat of the battle, it's when the enemy pours on everything they have and they try to overrun and conquer and kill you. Heat of the battle. Now, there was a term born out of World War I. You've heard the term, it's called shell-shocked. How many of you have heard the word shell-shocked? That, that term didn't even exist until World War I. But in World War I, they were engaged in, I mean, an idiotic warfare strategy. They had trench warfare. They'd dig ditches, and about 80 yards apart, the enemy would dig a ditch, and they'd just shoot at each other. And then every now and then, they would take shells, and they'd shoot thousands and thousands of shells trying to hit into the trench Making the other side not able to sleep, not able to not able to rest, not able to get out of the trench. Just keep them under cover and worried all all night long. They shoot thousands and thousands of shells. Some would hit in front, some would hit behind, some would hit in the trench. And then once the shelling stopped, they would rise up and give everything they had a full-blown charge at the other trench. Folks, hundreds of thousands of men died within 24 hours in a lot of those battles. After the war, many of these soldiers were in hospitals. They had no wounds that were visible. They had no physical sign uh, of scars or or wounds, but they were shaking, and they had no equilibrium. Equilibrium. And they begin to examine them, and these men were what they call shell shocked. Totally disoriented because of the barrage of shells falling one after the other after the other, one after the other, falling all around and on their friends. They lost their equilibrium and paranoia had come in. So they came up with the term shell shock. It was what happened at that heightened moment. In the heat of the battle, it was more than they could take. It broke them down mentally, emotionally, and many times physically. The same symptom can happen to us as Christians in spiritual warfare. Can I get an amen? There may be people here today that are not physically shaking or physically or visibly off balance but spiritually they're feeling very overwhelmed by the attacks of Satan. The reason is that most of us are not really aware that God has a secret remedy for shell shock. God's got a remedy for spiritual shell shock. They've been devastated by those times in their lives when it looked like the bottom just fell out. Ever been there? Haven't we all been in these moments at some time when it seemed like all of hell is unleashing everything it has against us? Spiritual warfare is real and it is not fun. Can you remember certain points in your life that you felt like, I can't go on? You don't know why the moment seemed to just intensify at that time, but something happened in your life. It might have been a doctor's report. It might have been somebody betrayed you. It might have been someone spread gossip about you. It might have been a financial crisis that came to you. But you felt it was spiritual crunch time. It was the heat of the battle. But, you know, I believe that these times are the reason that God let us see David in the Scripture. Now, the the Word of God is very honest. Amen? It doesn't cover up the bad And it doesn't just put forth the good, but it shows the good and the bad and the ugly. It shows it all. But I think the reason it does is for us to see people going through problems, people going through battles. And because they went through it and they turned to God and God heard them, we know that if we go through it and we turn to God, we're going to make it too. Amen. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're going to make it through this. Most of the songs were written during crunch time. You hear David crying out and God has it recorded for us. Like the one in our text, he's crying out and said, God, I can't take it anymore. God, I can't deal with this fugitive lifestyle anymore. I have no place to hide. I have no soul I can turn to. I can only hide in you, ding. Hey David, where you been, right? Now, I want to ask you a question. How many of you ever been going through a crunch time and you finally turned to God and you wondered, why didn't I do this first? We're all, Brother Hill says it like this, we all got about that much human in us. Just about that much. And that human streak in us wants to fix it. That human streak in us wants to, we want to get back. Man, they said this, I'll say that, they hit me, you know me. You might remember the story I I told about Stanton. He heard me preach a sermon about winning a guy to the Lord that we were in gym class, and the guy just busted me upside the jaw because I wouldn't let him hit my friend. He told me, if you don't move, I'll hit you. He said, I'm not moving. Bam! Boy, he just busted me. And then I just somehow or another had enough Holy Ghost at that moment. I said, if it'll make you feel any more like a man, hit the other one. Well, he just looked at me kind of funny, didn't hit me, and a couple weeks later, he came to our youth revival, got the Holy Ghost, got baptized, so that was a shot worth taking. Well, Stanton heard that story, and he came home from school, and he told me, he said, Daddy, he said, today at school, a boy hit me in the face. I said, well, what'd you do? I said, if you feel any more like a man, hit the other one, so what happened? He said, he hit me. I said, you see him tomorrow, you knock his teeth down his throat. That flesh, man, you you got a little of it. You can hit me, but don't hit my boy, don't hit my girl. Is that right? Are you guys with me? But David said, my soul will hide in the shadow of your wings. Now, some of you don't have a clue what that means. But how many of you have ever seen a mama hen with her baby chicks? How many of you have? Man, that hawk comes over, those wings go out, and those baby chicks get under there. And man, they are covered by mama's wings. David said, God, the predator is seeking me out. The devil is coming after me. My enemy is trying to destroy me. God, I'm running into your presence. I'm running into your word. I'm running into your promises. And God, I know I'm going to be covered by the shadow of your wings. Amen. God's got some wings for you today. Amen. So we look in the New Testament and we see all this whole armor, the helmet, the shield, But brothers and sisters, can I tell you that the biggest thing we fight in our life is we forget to pray. Can I get an amen? We're to pray on all occasions. We're to pray in the car, pray in the grocery store line, pray in the kitchen, pray in the morning, pray at lunch, pray in the evenings, pray when when, when when you're riding down the road, pray when you're walking down the street, pray short prayers, pray long prayers. But pray, because it's only in God we find this refuge. And it's only in prayer we connect with God in those times of the heat of the battle. And it may look like it's going to kill us, but if we can just pray, we can find our refuge in God today. Amen. Amen. God didn't have all this written down to embarrass David. But he had it written down to encourage us. And we're going to show David a lot of mercy today because, you know what, we need a lot of mercy, right? But he let David be written in the Scripture so we could understand how to deal when you're spiritually shell-shocked. And we're praying today that you're going to be comforted today. We're praying today that you're going to realize you're not alone in these hard moments and in those elevated times of spiritual attack. You're not alone, but God is ready to help you. One of the key points of pressure that David felt was his wounded heart. You know, the Bible says David was a man after God's own heart. He was a tender-hearted man. When you're tender-hearted, you're very vulnerable to get hurt by other people because you love people, and you think they're all going to love you. And so you let your heart love them, and all of a sudden, you find that you're being hurt, you're being wounded, you're you're being attacked. But loving, tender-hearted people are easily wounded by other people, right? His tender heart was blasted when men wanted to be mean to him and wanted to kill him. Now, here's one thing. When you've been called in sin, somebody's trying to get revenge and take it back out on you, that's one thing. It's not Christian, but it's logical. But when you haven't done anything to anyone and they're attacking and killing you, there's something wrong, right? That's a spiritual attack. But when you honor King Saul and you're loyal to him, and as this demon takes Saul over, he tries to kill you, throws a spear at you while you're playing a harp for him. Now he sends his troops after you to kill you. Then you hear all the lies are telling about you in the palace, and you're cut off from your best friend, Jonathan, who's King Saul's son. You can't have lunch with him anymore. You can't be buddies with him anymore. You can't pray together with him anymore. Your fellowship's gone because your father's so filled with hatred toward David and so jealous. Not only did it cut him off from his friend, but some people forget this. It cut him off from his wife. His wife's name was Michael. She was Saul's daughter. Now, man, you're talking about a father-in-law problem. I mean, Michael's daddy is out to get you, buddy. I mean, you, you just think you had a father-in-law problem. David had a father-in-law problem. Now, I, you know, I hear all these jokes about mother-in-laws, but boy, this is one bad case of a father-in-law problem. Father-in-law is his nightmare. The father-in-law is the one that says, you can't see your wife. You can't see your best friend. You're cut off from your parents. You're cut off from your family. How lonely in the world was David? How bad did he really feel? How hard would it be to go on with this pain in your heart? He hates me for no good reason. He just hates me. But he's dealing with it. If I ask you to raise your hand, if you've ever felt like you've been unjustly attacked or someone jealous of you, all of us would raise our hand about some occasion because it happens in life. In case you came here today and your heart is wounded, Maybe you've been hurt. I want you to know something. You can have this refuge they sang about this morning. You can have this peace with God they sang about this morning. You can find this place in Him where you are His child and you do not have to be a slave to fear anymore. Oh, aren't you glad you don't have to live in fear? But we're not given a spirit of fear, but of love and a power and of a look at somebody and say, I'm not crazy. No, we've got a sound mind. I know we can have peace with God. And I know while we're serving him with our whole heart, we can have peace with God. But while you're serving God with all your heart doesn't mean people can't hurt you. It doesn't mean they won't. Paul said he, said, he said it like this, nothing moves me. He didn't say nothing hurts me. So we stand in the Lord. And it hurts sometimes. Your family may have turned their back on you because you decided to live for God with everything. You might have some friends that mock you because you're not partying with them anymore or riding around with them anymore. You might have people that say things that would hurt your heart. Even the best saint in this church has been hurt somewhere sometime. Amen? But what I want to tell you about this Today, there is one place, there's one place you can always go. And that place you can always go is to the Lord Jesus Christ. Aren't you thankful there's a refuge still today for this generation? Amen. We can always hide in him. We can always tell Jesus. We can always tell him, this is how I feel, God, help me today. So maybe this morning you're here and you're saying, my heart is broken. Maybe you feel, my husband talks to me like I'm some kind of an animal. My wife has totally ignored me or shunned me. Maybe you could tell us how bad the boss mistreats you. We can say today, my heart hurts, but we can run to Jesus. We don't have to say anything fancy. You don't have to quote a lot of verses. We just have to say to God, Jesus, help me. I'm hurting. Jesus, help me. I'm overwhelmed. Jesus, help me. I don't have the energy or the strength, but I need you. And you know what? He'll help you. Take it to Jesus. If we hold on to hurt, it's going to make us bitter, it's going to make us brittle. It's going to make us cynical. I don't want to be bitter or sour. I want to be sweet. So, you know what I do when I'm hurt? God, I've been hurt. Help me. Help me, Lord. And Lord, forgive me of all the vengeance I might have had in my mind. Just take it out, Lord. I'm just trusting you today to help me with my pain. Help me with my struggle. Don't wait to bedtime. Don't wait to the next revival. Take it to Jesus. At the very moment, you feel the pain. Amen. What's that old song? Oh, what peace we often forfeit? Oh what needless pain we bear? All because we do not carry what? Everything to God in prayer. We have instant access to the power and the love of God. Hide me, Lord. Hide me today, God. I'm vulnerable. Help me today, God. I feel defenseless. Help me today, God. I'm weak. Help me today, God. I'm hurting. But my Bible says that when we pray, don't worry about what it sounds like. Because the Spirit itself will give us utterance as to what we ought to pray. When you begin to cry out from the heart, that Spirit of God in you will begin to well up inside of you and will pray for things that you don't even know that the enemy's attacking you with. And you will win. You ever been there when all you can do is just, oh, God. You ever been there? You ever been there when it was, Lord, I don't know what to do, but Lord, I still trust you. You ever been there when it was just, oh, oh, and I feel my spirit groaning for someone today can't formulate the words. They've hurt so bad. The pain's been so great. The defeat's been so sound. You can't even even bring yourself to formulate the words to pray. So you just... A tear is a language that God understands. In the heat of your moment, don't give up. Don't run away. But run into... Run into the arms of God. Run into the refuge of the name of Jesus. Run into prayer and say, God, I need your covering. God, just pick me up. God, just hold me let me feel the comfort of your love around me God save me from my enemy's attacks the problem was David never prayed this prayer till he got in the cave he was trying to fix it he was trying to work the ends against the middle Elijah the high priest grabs a sword when we panic we do foolish things I want to ask you a question whose sword did he ask for what good did it do Goliath where's Goliath he's dead say he's dead so can't you see David with this huge sword now okay now he's running from Saul again but now he's got extra weight so many times the thing that we're trying to run from, we grab hold of other things to make it where we, we can't move like we should. Right? Turn to your neighbor and say, let that go. Let that go. So David's now dragging the sword everywhere. He can't even pull it out of the sheath. Can you imagine how that would look? I wonder how we look sometimes by, because of the things we reach and we grab hold. We've all fooled with Goliath's sword at some time, haven't we? Can you imagine how God just saying, lay that down, come to me. Let that go, come to me. What do we do? David in his frustration, trying to work it out, he even went to his enemies. You'd be surprised who you'll hang out with when you're hurting. Be surprised what you'll do when you're hurting. But here's the key. Don't run to your enemies. Run to your God. Don't run to your enemies. Run to your God. Amen? So here we go. David, in desperation, runs to the cave of Adulla. And there he cries out, And if there were bats in that cave, I bet they left. Because this man is crying out. Oh, God, have mercy on me. Hide me under the shadow of your wings. Oh, God, have mercy on me. My enemies are coming upon me. I have no place to go. I need your refuge. He's crying out. Oh, God, have mercy on me. Help me today. And as he cries out, God hears his cry. So we're challenged today. Pray in the spirit. God's saying to us today, bring it to me. Bring it to me this morning. Don't wait till tonight. Don't wait till the revival. Bring it to me today. I will help you through the heat of your battle. You'll overcome. Now, I have a question for you. Would you bow your head? Well, just close your eyes with me. Bow your head and close your eyes. Everyone, please. Let me just ask you a question. How many of you just need to feel God hold you? I just need, I just, go ahead and lift that hand up. God bless you. I just need to feel the presence of God holding me. Bless you in Jesus' name. Bless you. How many of you just need God to give you strength today? God bless you. How many of you feel like you're really in the heat of a battle and you need God's power? God bless you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You feel like you need to take a few things to God this morning. Maybe somebody's hurt you very deeply. Take it to God. Maybe somebody has said some horrible things about you. Take it to God. Maybe you've made some big mistakes. Take it to God. Maybe fear has you surrounded and locked down. You can't even move. Take it to God. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Would you look up this way? If you're on the front row or if you're on the back row or anything in between, if you feel like you've been through so much, it just seems like you can hardly take it anymore there is a God who's here today, and he is your refuge. He is your answer. He is your strength. He is your help, and he will lift you out this morning. Amen. Would you stand with us together right now in the name of Jesus? Would everyone in this building right now, would you lift your hands? Children of God, would you lift your hands? And I want you to pray out loud because we're going to pray right now for everybody that lifted their hand a minute ago. Would you begin to pray? Thank him right now for his mercies. Thank him right now for his healing. Thank him right now for his forgiveness. Thank him right now for his power. Would you pray that right now? In the name of Jesus Christ, God, for every hand that went up, they feel overwhelmed by the battles they're in in life. I pray today, you'll let your mercy flow in this house. Let it flow fresh to them this day. Let it flow powerfully to them this morning. Let them feel a freshness. Let them feel a nearness. Let them feel a closeness to you, God, that they can know that they are going to win because you are God and all things are possible to him that believe. In Jesus' name I pray. Could everybody shout out, Amen? Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise for fresh mercy, a hand clap of praise for fresh power, a hand clap of praise for fresh joy today, Amen. David prayed it so well. God, have mercy on me, have mercy on me. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do today they're going to sing and worship. We're going to believe God today. Turn to somebody and say, In the heat of the battle, I'm going to win through Christ. Amen. You feel like you've been facing something? They start playing. I want you to step out into the aisle, step down to the front, step out to the end of the row you're sitting in, and I want you to just begin to worship God. We have people that want to help you today. Would you begin to sing?